Welcome to the official podcast of DogsDaily.com, a Sports Illustrated channel. Gets to the edge. Johnny Michelle will send the Dogs home to the championship game. If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you're in the right place. Hosted by Dogs Daily Riders, Jeremiah Stoddard, Kyle Funderburg, and Jonathan Williams. Here's pitch. It's high out into right center with some carry. It's got a chance. This ball is out of here. Tucker Bradley has won it. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. Welcome back to another episode of Classic City Sports. As always, got my buddy Jonathan Williams along with me, Jeremiah Stoddard. Um, just kind of excited to have another episode, you know, in the postseason or post, you know, regular season, postseason and, and offseason starting up now and just kind of getting into deep into content, right? Oh, yeah. Like you got to dig deep into it to find some extra stuff right now uh, with little things going on here and there. But, you know, obviously, as you can see, the coaching carousel continues to spin around college football and at U- uh, the University of Georgia with some movement at the defensive back coach and other little things here and there. So we figured we would cover a little bit of that stuff going on. Definitely got to talk a little bit about what's going on up in uh, Auburn, Alabama oh, yeah. uh, with Harson and all the allegations and you know crazy stuff going on out there. Uh, but then we're going to bring a new segment to the show. Uh, it's called, what did you say you wanted King to call King of it? the Hills. King so, of the Hills. If you want to find out what that is, you got to stay tuned in for that segment later. It'll be fun, I promise. It's, it'll be good content. Yeah, exactly. And a quick hint is it's the hill that you're willing to die on. Yeah. And what is that hill? So we'll get into that as we go in. There's some sports topics that everyone gets pretty heated about in different areas, mm-hmm. um, even locally here in the Georgia sports world, obviously. So oh, we'll definitely. jump straight into all of that. Um, towards the middle or so of the episode, we'll, we'll kind of mix it up with how we go. But without, you know, holding everything up a little bit more, um, Jonathan, so far, what are your thoughts of like the coaching care? So like what's going on around Georgia? How are you feeling about, you know, who's staying? You know, Jamila Adai is, you know, moving on to Miami, kind of a lateral position, you know, mm-hmm. going to a dif- defensive back coach over at uh, Miami for Cristobal. So, which is an interesting move when you're coming from a team that just won a national championship. It definitely is a little bit of a head scratcher, but there's some, you know, ways you could read into that a little bit as well. Yeah. I mean, you had to think, especially anytime a team wins a national championship, you're going to see a lot of movement, not only on your roster, but also um, on your coaching staff because teams, other teams are going to see a team that is being successful. They want to get guys that have learned in that system, guys that have witnessed a winning culture and know exactly what it takes to build a national championship roster. So what does Mario Cristobal do? Well, he goes and gets a guy that's been under Kirby Smart for just a year. But still, it's good to know. It's good to have someone that was um, learned from a guy that was under Nick Saban. I mean, Mario Cristobal was under Nick Saban himself. So, I mean, it's expected to see coaches move around. I mean, yeah, it is a lateral move for Jamal Adai. But, um, again, this is a guy that probably wants to be a head coach sometime in the near future. So he's going to be making moves that he feels are necessary to help him get to that goal. But, I mean – Really nothing for Georgia to worry about because, I mean, not only do you have Kirby Smart, you have Will Muschamp and your coaching staff as well, two of the best defensive defensive back coach in the nation. I think a lot of coaches would say that if you were to ask them who the best um, defensive backs coach in the nation is, I think Kirby Smart would be thrown around in there, and I think Will Muschamp would as well. So they will hire someone else, of course, to coach that position. But, I mean, it's things are never going to change in that position because of who you already have on your coaching staff. And as long as you have Kirby Smart as your head coach – I mean, that's going to be your guy as in regards to development and whatnot. And, I mean, that probably had a little bit to do with why Jamal Adai left Georgia. Because what are you – I mean, anytime you talk about Georgia's defensive backs room, everybody's going to say, well, that's Kirby Smart's guys. They're not saying that's Jamal Adai's guys mm-hmm. like they would at West Virginia. Everybody was saying, like, that's Jamal Adai's guys up at West Virginia. Like, Tyke Smith, those guys, the best pass defense in the nation at the time, that's Jamal Adai this year. Anytime you talk about Keely Ringo or you talk about Darian Kendrick, especially with Darian Kendrick in the draft right now, people are saying 
while Kirby Smart did a really good job developing Kendrick um, in his one season with him. So, I mean, a lot of that has to go into play. But, again, nothing that Georgia really should be too concerned about, at least at a fan's perspective. No, for sure. And you hit on two big things that um, that I was going to mention as well, which I'll start with what you just finished there. And, you know, when you're thinking of a guy like Adai, he's got to think of what his next step's going to be, you know, yeah. and, and, like, each step afterwards to get to that end goal of being a head coach. Cause that's what is in the next few years, that's where he's going to end up being right. Like that's what all of the you know speculation has been about what he wants to do, what he's on track to do. And so when you sit there and talk about those narratives being driven mm-hmm. from the media, like the NFL draft coming up and you have like national media sitting here going, all right, well, Kirby's got these guys ready to go with this position group. That's his position group, all that. It, it, depletes the resume of a guy like that, right? Like it it completely takes away from what he's been able to accomplish because there is a lot of work that he has put in to get those guys ready for that next level for the SEC and for the NFL. So Adai has done a ton of work there, but he still might be overlooked of what he has done because of of where he's at. So you look at it that way of going over to the next position, you know, a a lateral move technically, which makes me wonder too, what did Cristobal and them say to convince him of doing it. You know, they yeah. sold him on something from coming from a national championship winning team where there are defensive positions like movement, you know, with the defensive coordinator going on. That means other positions within Georgia could be moving as well, which means he could potentially have another defensive spot opening up somewhere or, you know, other roles starting to show their their faces over there at Georgia. But he decided that he wanted to go ahead and go. So they told him something that made sense. I think something, at least one thing that comes to my mind is Probably what they're saying to him is like, hey, if if you if you're trying to build your resume to become a head coach at some program, why not come to a place like Miami? Someone who is wanting to be on the up and coming, they want to reestablish themselves, go back to their 2000s era of who, like everybody knew who the U was, like that was the university back in that day and age. So why not? I mean, they're a big pitch to the, to Jamal was probably, hey, why not come here? You can help us build our program back up, show people that you're capable of doing that. Why wouldn't you want someone like that as your head coach? If Jamal Adai is part of that process and he has a lot of success there, which he probably will. He's had success everywhere he's been. Oh, yeah. He's, so, he's in South like South Florida. Oh, yeah. Defensive backs in Florida. Florida in defensive South backs. Florida? Yeah. Especially when you pair him up with Mario Cristobal. I mean, they're going to be fine recruiting that spot. So I think that was a big pitch. A lot pitch. of talent there. Yeah. So I think that was probably a big pitch to him was like, hey, we got plenty of recruiting. We got all – all the resources you need to be successful and you'll be the main guy connected to that um, position. Whereas in Georgia, you're maybe not. So I think that probably had a lot to do with it. And rightfully so. I mean, you can't knock the guy for wanting to go and um, see how he fares down there, especially just to kind of um, prove to people that he's able to adapt to new situations. He's able to go to different teams and it's not just the teams that are successful. It's him that brings success with him. So just a guy trying to prove himself and um, that's going to happen, especially with, just like players are trying to prove themselves through going through the transfer portal and finding new teams and prove that they can be successful. Coaches are going to do the same and they have every right to do that. And both parties have every right to do that. So, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I was going to hit on from what you kind of mentioned as well was, you know, as far as a fan's perspective, even a player's perspective at Georgia, you know, this move, like the defensive backs shouldn't be concerned. Uh, fans shouldn't be concerned about that room um, in general. And even one of the, the biggest recruits to come to Georgia this year at defensive back, Julian Humphreys came out and said, he goes, I'm not concerned because I know that coach Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart are going to get me right. Yeah. That's exactly like, that's what he said. He's in this recruiting class, right? Mm-hmm. And he just signed. And a lot of times there's some speculation that comes up of like, you know, these kids signed to play for this guy at this position group, the position coach leaves. First of all, if you you go to a school because of a position coach and you plan to be there for three years, if your position coach is good, most of the time they're not there three years later, right? Like that most of the time you've got somebody else, unless like, I mean, there's, there's a couple that'll stick around. Like George has had a couple for a little while, right? Like mm-hmm. you think about like Del McGee's been around for a while, running back coach. Yeah. Schumann's been around for a few years, but Schumann, Schumann's on to bigger and better things soon himself too. If you know, it could be at Georgia as a defensive coordinator, potentially it could be somewhere else in the next year. Or so if they don't go to him at defensive coordinator, because he's an up and coming guy as well. So Glenn Schumann has been able to get those linebackers, right? We'll use that as a, a you know, a comparison, he's got these linebackers ready to go and he's putting them in the NFL, right? If they yeah. play for Schumann, they're playing in the NFL. You know, that's that's what's happening lately. So you've got to expect these new recruits at linebacker to come in going, hey, man, he's not going to be here much longer. Yeah. So as a recruit, they have to understand that, which I think they do. I think that 
especially at defensive back, going back to that actual position of conversation here, at that position, I don't think Kirby and them sold these kids on, hey, you're going to play for Jamil Adai. They're selling these kids on, hey, you're coming to play for Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp and Jamil Adai. Yeah. And so, like, it's a group thing that, you know, the other guys are still there. Mm-hmm. You know, unless he was the biggest recruiter of that kid, him leaving shouldn't really impact the the recruits. Well, I mean, Georgia has one of the biggest selling points right now when it comes to DBs. Look at what Eric Stokes did in this season with the Green Bay Packers as a rookie. He, it, he was uh, he had a like a forty six point five completion percentage yeah. when thrown to him, and it ranked fourth best amongst all NFL DBs who were targeted at least forty five times. Three star athlete came out of high school. Nobody was really looking at him. He really didn't have too many Power Five offers, and Georgia t- um, took a shot on him, and now he's one of the one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL right now in his first year. That's one of the biggest selling points you have right now. And then also you're about to add Darian Kendrick in the mix. In the mix, you're about to add Lewis Seen into the mix as well once they get drafted. So yeah, the, that position is going to continue to recruit itself. Again, rooting back to Kirby Smart, of course, but that can, that's always going to recruit itself at the University of Georgia. There's there's never going to be like a, a drop off, no matter who is there, no matter what kind of coach you have. I mean. It's never going to be an issue in recruiting in general. I mean, it's just it's never going to be a problem for the University of Georgia just because where they're located. And I mean, of course, now you add a national title in the mix. Like you, you just have everything you could ask for as a program right now if if you're Georgia. So, and I mean, you can be thankful that you're not Auburn right now. Of course, oh what a crap show that is right now. I've I've enjoyed it at least from an outsider. At least oh, yeah. being able to join in on the Twitter spaces here, all the hot just takes. listening, man. I mean, those things. Peyton Manning's name is being thrown <laughs> around in the, in the hiring as process. A replacement. Paul Johnson is but, OC. But Harson, he's not gone. No, it, nothing has broken like about these, it being like gone. These Twitter spaces are killing me because you tune in and like they're just all talking. Apparently, like you were telling me before the show, there's somebody in this most recent one that says they have, you know, credible sources credible have sources. told him multiple sources. He said source is, not a source. He said yeah. sources have told him that Harson is gone. And but they haven't made a public move yet, so that's no. just right now it's a rumor. And so, like, it's not even official, but they're already talking about, like, literally, what would you say? You said Peyton Manning to come in as a head Peyton coach. Peyton Manning head coach, Paul Johnson, yeah. OC, run the triple option. <laughs> who who says no? I mean, who wouldn't say no to that? Run the triple option. I mean, it, it's not working. What you're doing right now isn't working. You bring so- in. But let me, let me just, like, let, let's just kind of think about Tank that. Tank Bigsby running back. I mean, who's stopping it, I guess? You go and get, they, like, in this scenario, they go get, like, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Mm-hmm. To be their head coach, and you yeah. think that he's going to come out and run the triple option? Yeah, you're talking about one of the greatest NFL quarterbacks in history, and you're like, "Yep, we're running the ball 90 percent of the time." We like, you think that he's going to be on board for that type of <laughs> offense? And then also, you think that bringing the like the triple option back to the like the SEC would be remotely a good idea? Plus, like, what? Let's see. Keep doing my Peyton and Eli Monday Night Football show, or go be the head coach at Auburn right now. Wh- which one would you pick? I'd firestorm too. I think I would rather stay on television and just have fun interviewing a bunch of celebrities and talking about football, which he's really, really good at. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how Peyton Manning's name got linked into this situation, but I mean, yeah. there's been a lot of. I mean, Urban Meyer's name has been thrown around in those Twitter spaces. Twitter spaces are just great, also because. The best part about today's was, of course, Auburn most recently lost to Arkansas in basketball after being ranked number one in the nation. And so there was floods of Arkansas fans posing as Auburn insiders, and they were um, requesting to talk in these Twitter spaces, and they were just absolutely trolling the heck out of all of these Auburn fans. And it was just so great because, you know, as soon as they start talking, you know, the host jumps in and says, all right, we're not doing any of that. Like, we're just trying to have a family-friendly Twitter space right now. <laughs> we're not doing any of the troll stuff. Like, we're trying to have a legit conversation, have a legit conversation, and then turn on and say, so Peyton Manning, head coach right now, <laughs> who says no, $40 million. Like, it's, it's hilarious. But also, the other thing that people forget, too, and, and they throw these names around. And Georgia fans are bad about this sometimes, too, especially right now because there's been position coaches, you know, yeah. positions available, right? Like you've got the, the wide, rec- wide receiver coach situation. Everybody's been talking about that yeah. stuff, right? The defensive back coach. Everybody's been talking about all that. And they start throwing out these names of people that are like Hall of Famers. Like yeah. Hines Ward was being talked Champ about at one Bailey. point. Champ Bailey. Like all these names of this stuff. And it's just speculations. People going in, they're looking for a name that they think, hey, this is a big name that played at Georgia, played this position. What, I wonder if he'd be interested. In, let's push that narrative of like, hey, he wants to come play. The problem is this, and, and to go like to tie that into the same kind of thing with like Peyton Manning and this situation is, who says they want to? Yeah, they like you said with Peyton Manning, he's chilling, he's doing commercials, 
He's doing these like he's interviews, doing PGA he's, golf events. Yeah, like, he's to... just real, like hanging out, having fun. He, his should. schedule is easy. It's just fun. You go be a head coach of college football, and you don't have a sleeping moment like of rest anymore. Like it, you literally only like you're working all the time. I mean, time. it's like it's it's literally pretty much like 355 days a year. Essentially, is what what the schedule is to be a, a, a any coach. It's not just head coaches either. I mean, giving it's the them ten days staff. off is still a stretch. Yeah, potentially. even then, I mean, like so, they don't get time. Like off. you got this dead period, but even then, you got to think. Not like, it, it, I mean, yeah. Pretty much like no. now, now the way that like the NIL stuff and the transfer portal is, yeah. they don't have time off anymore. Yeah. Like it's completely changed from what it used to be. So at this point, they're signing up, and they know that they're not stupid. They they know like like I think Peyton Manning could potentially be a great head coach at some level. Maybe so. At some day he could make or a coach in general. But who says he wants to do that? Like just because he could theoretically do it doesn't mean that he wants to spend every waking moment like helping 18-year-olds and dealing with the drama that comes around of, of like being responsible for these 18-year-olds every single and day. And plus, like, this is also something you have to think about too is like Peyton Manning's got Arch Manning right now in high school. You don't think he wants to be able to enjoy watching him play in college? Like being able just That's to a go, good point. Just to be able to go on Saturdays, watch him play in whichever um, college stadium, possibly Sanford Stadium. You don't think he wants to be able to go and enjoy that and just kind of hang around the team because who wouldn't want Peyton Manning hanging around their football team? Like, you don't think he wants to be able to do that? I would say he'd rather, much rather do that, of course, yeah. than be a head football coach right now, especially in college football. But, of course, like we, so we know that's not going to happen. But, I mean, still, I mean – Obviously, someone thought it, it was the a only alternative to that for me would be like because I think you're right. I think I think that if you saw him coach or something like that, it probably would be in three to four years or something like that. Like at the soonest, because yeah. I I feel like he's I'm in the same boat with you. Like as he wants to see Arch play, he wants yeah, to why see. Why wouldn't you? Like he wants to be able to I mean, enjoy that's that your next yeah. legacy of the family name. He wants to be able to like enjoy that process with him, be involved with all the stuff like that. I could imagine him wanting that a lot more. The only alternative to that scenario would be as if he somehow ended up coaching at like the school that Arch played at. That would be <laughs> oh the alternative. Gosh. That would be the only, like, think about it. Like that would be it. That would be the only way in my mind that he would just completely veto, like having the opportunity to see his nephew play and just not caring to, to see any of like, like you said, the next Manning to step up and like play. Mm-hmm. You know, a big you level. Talk football. about publicity around a football program. You go and hire Peyton Manning as your head coach, and yet Arch Manning as your quarterback. Oh my gosh! I mean, you wouldn't be able to go anywhere on campus or anywhere in general without having a camera in your face or someone trying to get information out of you, just because you have the Mannings, like multiple Mannings in your college town. So, you mean, Lord, where would be that be? Right? Like, where would where would that duel, like that that team meet up? Because that would be the question. God, where man. where is Peyton Manning going to want to go coach? Like, I think he would go like at, if in that scenario he would go wherever Arch decided he wanted to play, um, because that's that would be the scenario. I don't think he would try to impact his decision because you know he he played at Tennessee. You know, his brother played at Ole Miss. At, his family played at Ole Miss too, didn't they? Uh, or was it Tennessee? Um, I know there was like a divided, like a few of them played, I think Tennessee. I can't and then Eli the decided to go played. to Ole Miss or something. I can't remember where the dad played. Um, so, but yeah. I so, mean, that's a lot to unpack there. So, I'm, But I'm glad Auburn fans provided us with some comedic relief, maybe uh, extra content, so of course. Let's but, talk about that too then, right? Like, So let's talk about the Auburn situation with like the Harson you know, stuff going on. Like personally, I, I don't get into the speculation of like the hearsay and like the, he yeah. said, she said stuff of like the story. So what I'm not going to do is come in and directly say, um, Archie and Eli went to Ole Miss. Appreciate okay. It, Thank you, Dean. Um, that's right. So they went to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought the dad went to Ole Miss, but I couldn't exactly remember. And I didn't want to be on. So, yeah. So Peyton wrong. was the one that stepped out and went yeah, somewhere else. Went that's what Tennessee, it was. So. That answered that question. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so with, with them, right, in the situation at Auburn right now, one of two things has happened. Either everything that's being said and, like, the story of what happened with Harson and the assistant are true, mm-hmm. which at that point it's, you know, he's over, you know, stepping his bounds of power, all the different things. There's wrong – there's issues with it. It breaks their policy, like you're their married. conduct. and Yeah, and you're married. <laughs> so, like, it breaks all kinds of stuff like that. I'm sure there's plenty there at that point if if it's all true to actually fire him with cause because it's causing 
yeah, a lot of issues throughout everything that way. The media, the program, absolutely, family problems, all the stuff going on. The other side is if the boosters created this story or somebody created the story in order to try to get him out the door, which also wouldn't surprise me in general, because it does somewhat feel like the, you know, the Tennessee situation. I mean, yeah, you're calling Tennessee? the cops the trap house. That's yeah, exactly what it is exactly. all over. Again. So you got to be careful with that when you start doing yes. stuff like that, though, um, which I guess in this situation right now, they haven't really invited the, the NCAA yeah, into it, in, right? That's which, the difference right now. They're trying to do it on their own. Yeah, you know they haven't invited the, the big brother into the party directly. But you call you you call the dudes or you the call dudes attention. call themselves the dudes that have the bags of money. They're the ones that are like sitting there analyzing this. Maybe maybe they're the ones that made the kind of like the anonymous phone call to themselves type of thing. You know that was going to be the other side too. Is even if the boosters and them did create the story to try to get him out, it doesn't mean that it's inaccurate. No, because yeah. the whole situation with Tennessee, they found like a truth. And then pushed it to help get rid of Pruitt, right? right? Like, so they they found something that was real and they they dragged it through. Now, if the story is fake and they decided to drag this young lady like through the mud as far yeah. as like her name and what she's it, the coach is one thing. You're messing with his family and stuff like that is all really bad in general. Mm-hmm. But he signed up to be a head coach of a football program, knowing that people like this are kind of crazy. I mean, when they have this much money going around, literally, this girl is just trying to be around a football team potentially. It's literally Auburn's reputation at this point. You do one thing wrong, boosters get him out of here. We next guy in line. Yeah. I mean, why they, they're ruthless. There was, in my opinion, there was no need to even get rid of Gus Malzahn to begin with. Yeah, I mean, he was because I, I know what happens, and it's and every fan base is at fault of this. I think even Georgia fans are at fault of doing this. Is you see someone like Alabama, especially for Auburn fans, they're right down the road from you, and you see how much success they have, and you're like, well, that should be us. Yeah, I mean, you're envious of what they have. You want to be the ones to take them down and whatnot. And Gus Malzahn was not providing that. But Auburn has never been that. Auburn for the last 20 years has not been that type of football program. They're not the They've ones that – one year. Yeah, they had the year with Cam Newton, of course. But and, but even then, like kind of like every other four years, they were up there. like They were a legit top five football team. And they had that every single year with Gus Malzahn. And that's been their reputation as a football program for the last 20 years is that kind of every five years they run into they run into a year where they're really, really good and they're a legit contender for a national title. But winning a national title is really, really, really hard to begin with. I mean, Georgia fans know how difficult that is. Went 41 years without one, finally got one this year. It's really hard. And yeah. that's why what Nick Saban has done at Alabama is so – like. Everybody, it's marvelous of what he has done. Like that's why everybody like worships him, and they should. That's why everybody considers him the best to ever do it. Because it is freaking hard to do what Nick Saban has done at Alabama, and it probably won't ever be done ever again. Because that's how difficult it is. I mean, you're talking about a mixture of 129 teams that are competing for one trophy. I mean, it's hard to. I mean, going against that pool of teams, and especially when you got the SEC. Which is always filled with pretty with uh, good teams. Then you got team like the ACC, where they have a Clemson one year. Maybe Miami starts to kind of build up their momentum again. And then you got teams like in the Big Ten, where um, Ohio State they're good every single year. You got Michigan, who kind of is um, kind of wishy washy a little bit, but still when yeah. you when you start piling on these teams, maybe the Pac-12 here soon starts piling in with USC as well. Dan Lanning could build up Oregon. So when you start piling up these teams, you got to think like it is super competitive and it is super hard to win a national championship. So that's the super bottom line. Hard and, and there's the, the big thing is this, and because going into one of the comments here from Top Dog Talk about who they would potentially go in and replace the next guy with, right? Like they got rid of Gus Malzahn yeah. and went with Harson. Who now? Who do they think they can go get? Not not going after Peyton Manning like we were talking about. Like well, yeah. not a realistic. Who like would who want really that job to begin with? Right. Who realistically is a, a candidate for that? That wants to take it. That is a good option. That could potentially be better than what they had at this point. Because Harson is what Harson is. If that situation completely blows through this quickly, like it might have, then we won't consider that. We'll talk about like Gus Malzahn. So you now have to then say, all right, we tried to get somebody better than him once. Are we going to – we're going to have to try to get somebody now better than him a second time is what we're going to try, and we got to make sure we're right this time because we can't afford to not be right anymore. You want to know what this situation is? It, it, it's almost identical to what this is. You want to know exactly what the situation is? Now, it's it's different in regards of like why this is like being talked about and whatnot, but 
it's it's Georgia basketball. This is it's exactly what this is, and it, it and I say that because Gus Malzahn would, was Georgia's Mark Fox. Mark Fox was not going to be contending for the tournament, the NCAA tournament every single year, but he was contending for the um, NCAA tournament every couple of years, every every um, three years or so. And he was always consistently getting you 18, 19 wins, even 20 wins, I think, for three years in a row during his time at UGA. And that was perfectly fine with UGA fans until it wasn't, until they ran him out. And who'd they go get? They go and get Tom Crean. And why? Because they want to elevate their program. They want to make they, – they said this is the hire that is going to take us to that next level. They're the ones that are going to take us – Tom Crean's going to be the guy that brings us over the top, and we're going to be one of the blue bloods of college basketball. And what does it do? It backfires, completely Massively. backfires. 16th highest paid basketball coach in college in college basketball right now, and he has six wins, one SEC win right now. Worst hey, program. Hey, who is it against? And it was against Alabama. How fitting is that? Got year, year of the dogs. <laughs> but um, you have one, one and only SEC You're the win. worst team in your conference right now. Auburn's shaping up to be the worst team in their division right now, um, by, by far right now, yeah. based on how things look right now. And so now it's like, well, who does Georgia go after now? I mean, you're paying this guy all this money. You're paying Harson all of this money, and now you're going to run him out. You better, daggum, hit the next one. You better hit a home run with your next tire because then – it's really going to get ugly, and it's going to be hard to call yourself back out of that hole. Yeah, and so now you get into the you gotta convers- take the, you got to take the shovel out of the hand at yeah. this point. So now you're getting the conversation. We're we're almost mid February. Who are you going to hire right now? Who who are you going to hire as your head coach this late in the year? That's why. All right. So at top dog talk is actually our buddy Harrison. I didn't know that at first, but he. Thank you for finally joining in and listening. Took you long enough, but anyways, you had a he had a good point of this, like what Auburn might potentially do with that, because that's a good point. Who at this point in time, if they were to fire him right now, who can they go get? Because the coaching carousel, as far as head coaches, has been spinning. Yeah. That thing is all of the big names have been taken. All the big moves have pretty much happened at this point. So at this point, you could see Auburn decide to go with an interim because of that, and just say like we're going with an interim head coach this year for a little bit of time. Like for one season to to let the coaching carousel kick back off again next year, where we have first dibs at whoever we want to go for at that point. What Auburn tried to do with this whole situation, comparing it back to Georgia basketball and then comparing it back to Georgia football, they tried to do what Kirby and Georgia was able to do with that move. Right, Georgia fans, the boosters, the staff, everybody, like the the administrative uh, powers, decided that Mark Rick wasn't getting the job done. The consistent ten win seasons, averaging ten wins a year, wasn't enough. So they decided to let him go. When you make a move of somebody at that level, that's consistently like a, like a ten nine ten win season. That's a good head coach. It is. But if you get rid of that person, the next person better be a national championship winning head coach, which Kirby was. We saw that Kirby was able to get it done this year. Took. You know, six years, which I have some stats on that um, as far as first time head coaches in like college football over six years and how he compares to everybody else. I'll pull my phone out for that one to give the exact stats on it. It's pretty impressive. There's only one coach that actually kind of compares to what he's been able to do in the first six seasons. That's what Auburn tried to do at football this year. That's what Georgia basketball tried to do. And both of them failed miserably. Well, and this is the thing that you – this is what you have to do when you go into a coaching search. And it's exactly what Georgia did. You have to be – one, you have to be kind of patient with these things. Yeah. It's like, okay, you got rid of a guy. You got rid of Gus Malzahn. Do you have an idea of who you want to go after? And do you have – do you think That's you have a legitimate yeah. shot at getting them? A lot of the people that they wanted that – Harson was not their first option. I'll tell you that much. He was not their primary guy. But Georgia and put themselves – That's the issue. Yeah. And Georgia put themselves in a situation where they were like, okay, yeah, we think it's time. We're going to go ahead and get rid of Mark Rick, but we have our next guy lined up. Like, we know exactly who we're going after. We have a, we think we have a legitimate shot at getting him. And next thing you know, it didn't take long. I mean, Kirby Smart was hired at the University of Georgia, like, n- not too long after Mark Rick was let go at Georgia. So you have to have a plan going into these things. And it's the same thing that Tennessee kind of ran into as well. They got rid of Pruitt, like, yeah. You accomplished what you wanted. You you got him out of his contract. You had cause and everything, and you ran him out of there. But boy, did you miss out on a lot of coaching candidates that you thought you had on the bag that you that didn't end up coming to your program and went elsewhere. And they said, "All right, no, see you. I'm going somewhere else. Tennessee ain't it ain't it for me." So, I mean, you got to go into these things with a plan. So, okay, you want you want to get rid of Parson. 
it sounds like. And that's what, what the people want right now. But do you have someone that you can bring in that can bring success to this program? Because if you don't, things are going to get really ugly down there. It's going to get horrible. That's a name that that's interesting from Harrison popping up in the I've comments heard, again. That's a legit. I've that's a that legit good Q freeze. Right? I've heard multiple times in the Twitter spaces, and that's one of the ones about okay, like that seems like a legit. That's a reasonable because yeah. you know he's got to want to get back into the like the SEC. Yeah, you can only right? be at liberty for so long. Hey, easy, I, easy. Look, hey, take I love it easy. the flames. All right, that's I my that's him. my alma mater. They're about to have a the first quarterback taken off the board that's this year. Probably, probably. They're about to have number one quarterback go. Watch. First round, I, I don't know when they've ever. I had have a no first hate against Liberty, kick. but don't be hating. But yes, when <laughs> Hugh Freeze at some point is going to part ways from Liberty, and that something like that would be a good option. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's a good question. And whether or not question. he is allowed to come back to the SEC is a good question as well. You know, like he he got fired, and he has to do what's the uh, it's like the sh- uh, show cause kind of thing, like yeah. clause where he has to go when he's interviewing for places and, and basically tell them exactly why he's been fired and stuff. I don't know if there's something in all of the stuff going on that he would not be allowed to come back yeah. into the SEC. I don't know that he would be because, I mean, SEC is pretty tight about those things. Like, they are – I mean – He he didn't just mess up a little not bit. Very, he got in a lot of trouble. Yeah. It, yeah. Those – so – yeah, Dean says no way. I, I'm kind of leaning towards that way, but again, like at least I th- think there's a slim chance that he might be allowed but to I come th- back in. But I think he would be a good option if they. I would think let he's him a legit name to throw out yeah. there at least. Like it, it's far better than yeah. Peyton Manning at least. Like at least we're kind of realistic. At least we're getting somewhere now. Yeah. We're getting in the area of like okay, like you can at least kind of sit there and think about that one. You, you can't sit there and think about it for too long and someone like oh Peyton Manning oh yeah let's bring him in. Like, not happening. Sorry. At least you go out and give like a real name of somebody that's a good candidate at like a head yeah. coach position or something like that. So, but yeah, so it's just interesting to see what their next step is going to be because yeah, I think at this point, if they do part ways with them, I don't think they officially hire a new head coach right away. I think they probably wait. Um, maybe take your lumps, your one take year, your lumps on there, but try you, and hit a reset button. You made a really, really good point with it too. And when Georgia got rid of Mark Rick, and that was that was right after the Georgia Tech game. So like the last Saturday of November, like two weeks later, Kirby Smart was like on staff. In yeah, December, it was the it was day like, after the SEC championship game, I believe. Yeah, so like within two weeks, maybe even like a week and a half, that you already had Kirby Smart hired as the next head coach, which tells you, like you said, that they had him lined up. They knew who they wanted. They knew they could get him, which means they had conversation, which because – yeah. It's not like the it college tells you that- football players, they are allowed to have conversations with the head coaches, agents, and stuff like that prior to this – so, like, they probably reached out to him, knew he had interest in it, and said, hey, they basically had his contract lined up and already yeah. almost everything but signed when they called Mark Rick and said, hey, we're letting you go. Yeah. And that's the thing. They had – Georgia do had it, a plan. They knew exactly what, the direction they wanted to go in. But and if they, you're going away from a coach that was winning, you have to. Yeah. It, because, again, like it's going to backfire in your face. And you got you got to hit the nail on the head with it. and Or else, again, you're just going to go down this spiral of just disappointment and just all like a dumpster fire is basically what you're risking your program turning into to the point where it's going to take quite a while to build it back up to where it was. So, um, I mean, yeah, I, I, Auburn is a mess. That's all. It's basically the conclusion. I don't know where they're going to go. I don't know what's going to happen to Harson. I mean, we still haven't received official news that he is out of Auburn. So, again, this is kind of all just talk about what could happen if and or but whatever, those type of things. So, the direction they're going to go in, I don't know. If Harson does continue into next season, it makes you wonder, like, is there going to be culture issues? Like, I mean, it's kind of hard. Uh, when this heavy of allegations gets put up to the surface – you got to think like players are probably going to have a hard time trusting that guy. Coaching staff members might have some trust issues with you as well. So it'll just kind of be interesting to see the direction that they go in, regardless of what happens, whether Harson stays or he leaves. Honestly, though, will they? With with the with the allegation that was there. Now that's the point I was going to bring up. I'll talk about that in well, a second the, before I get um, to that. But the, was it the OC or DC that left after like a month? He literally yeah. got, he got hired back in January and then a month I think it was later. Offensive coordinator. Yeah, the offensive coordinator. He, I think it was. He dipped immediately. So he didn't after like, there a was month. a problem there. I, that's why I think there's more going on than like the actual story that's being ran. Because I think the story that's actually being ran, yeah, it caused problems with the university and stuff like that. I don't really think that the, the kids or other coaches are really gonna care that much as far as like the what the allegation is. It's it's kind of a personal matter more than there's a little bit of a professional issue there as far as steeping to that level when it's your assistant kind of thing, right? But at the same time, 
I, there's, I feel like there's some truth to this situation because you've got, you've got the guy coming over from Boise State, right? Like he comes over from Boise State and then brings a cheerleader from Boise State to come over and be the assistant to the head coach. Not like a, a assistant head coach, like assistant to the head coach. That position doesn't exist everywhere else, anywhere no. else. So like it's like a it's a weird dynamic. It, it does make you think there's some potential like truth to the situation. Once again, we're not speculating on what actually happened because we don't know. And uh, quite frankly, I don't care. Um, it just depends on what happens next with Auburn. From a from a sports fan perspective, from an outsider looking in, that if that's the issue, he's gone. Who's next? What's the situation? Yeah. So Derek Mason, to go back to that part of it, Derek Mason decided to leave and take a four hundred thousand dollar pay cut to get away from Auburn and in Harson. So that's pretty telling that there is more going on in the situation than just what they're running a story with. Yeah. Like to me, that's that's a cultural issue within that locker room and those meetings and stuff like that. And then the mm-hmm. OC just dipping a month in. Yeah. They there's other problems going on, and they're trying to deflect it to something else. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt about that. So Auburn is at the bottom of the hill, but we're going to transition into the top of the hill. We're going into our new segment that's debuting tonight. It's the first time we're ever doing it, and it's called the King of the Hill. We're going to try and do this weekly throughout the offseason. I think it's a good offseason segment to do because it'll create some fun conversation and whatnot, maybe even get us to debate each other on our opinions and whatnot. But it's tonight I don't think we're doing that. No, but. tonight I think there's going to be quite a bit of agreement, but that's okay. Just kind of debuting it, doing a little we'll trial try. run. We'll try to find topics that we disagree with. Oh, we will. With. I'll find them. We'll I'll, find I'll them. I'll find them. But basically what we're doing is it's the it's a take that you're willing to die on top of a hill defending. Like you are, you are all in. It doesn't matter if you're up there by yourself, you will die defending this take. And so tonight it's the sports take that you will die on top of the hill defending. And so – we're going to give each of our own. We have different ones. We're not doing the same one. And then we'll kind of give our own um, take on the other person's. But Harrison Chimes not in doing that one. Jake Fromm and Justin Fields. Yeah, we're, I think we're going to have to. We're um, staying away from that conversation. I think we're going to have to establish the discord rule on um, Justin Fields and Jake Fromm and say that ain't happening. We're not having that conversation. Oh, not having that conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, will we? No, probably not. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, I don't know that we will disagree. disagree. So, would you like to go first, or do you want you me go to go first? This is right. your—he's the one that came up with the segment, so right. I'm gonna let I'll you get take the it, ball rolling. So, for mine, mine, and I am super passionate about this. If you know me, I I will stand on my ground on this one. You're not changing my mind. There's, I have a funny story associated with the same <laughs> the same argument. There is nothing that you can say to change my mind about this, and and mine is that Matt Ryan belongs in the Hall of Fame. I don't care if he wins a Super Bowl, whatever, whatever else happens in his career. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. And I'll just I'll just go ahead and tell you exactly why. I'll just give you a little rundown of Matt Ryan's career. So 5,000 or 50, 59,735 career passing yards, 367 touchdowns, and 222 games played. Along with 222 games played, he's only missed two career games in his entire career. Only two. What's the saying? The best ability is availability. Matt Ryan has had availability. He was an MVP in Even 20- with a crappy offensive line that gets him hit exactly. all the time. That he takes a lot of hits. taken a beating. So. so there's that. 2016 MVP. He has one All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler. Um, 2016 Offensive Player of the Year. 2008 was nominated the rookie, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, he threw for over 4,000 yards for 10 seasons in a row from 2011 to, th- to th- 2020. Words are hard. I'm sorry. Um, has never had a top 15 defense in his entire career. Mm. Think about that. Has not so when you talk about winning and talk about well he doesn't have a Super Bowl, he hasn't had that much success at an organization. How about not having a top 15 defense in his entire career? That's just career? the top 50%. Yeah. That's literally all that is. And he, he came close one time, 2016, had the 16th ranked defense in the NFL, but still has never had a top 15 defense in the NFL. He's ninth all-time in passing touchdowns, currently eighth all-time in passing yards, ahead of Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning, and John Elway, some notable names there. Um, Holds the NFL record with most losses while throwing for four touchdowns and zero interceptions. He has the record for most losses when doing so. Plays basically a picture-perfect game, and he holds the record for most losses. I mean, it's, it's insane. And then also another one, and I'll close out with this one, um, held, held or might still hold. I'm not sure if he does or not, but, um, holds the NFL record or sorry, um, NFL record with 46 consecutive games throwing 200 plus yards. So there's your rundown of Matt Ryan's resume as an NFL quarterback. 
And that is why I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame, regardless of if he gets a Super Bowl ring or whatnot. That man belongs in the, in the Hall of Fame. You can't tell me otherwise. You can't. No, you, you, I, I agree, actually, because like, you and I have had this conversation at different times, I think, um, just casually, like when things pop up, we just kind of make comments about it. So as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, I mean, I don't disagree with you at all, because one stat that like with the stats that you gave there, like his passing yards, his, his career passing yards, he is currently the active leader in passing in the entire NFL out of all of the. So as soon as Tom Brady retired. And Ben Roethlisberger, I don't know if Ben Roethlisberger, where he was at on that list prior to his retirement yeah, either. I don't know either. I don't um, think he was ahead of him. I don't think he was though. ahead of him either, though. I think it I think it was as soon as Tom Brady retired, yeah. he took over as the like active leader in passing yards. Which, and there are some big names that have been around for a really long time. And here's something also to add on that. People are like, well, Aaron Rodgers. You know, that's someone, a name that people are constantly – I mean, people put Aaron Rodgers in the status of – Tom Brady sometimes like people debate on whether who, who's the who's the greatest all time quarterback between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers and um, Matt Ryan, I believe they both kind of started their careers at the same time. Of course, Matt Ryan started his rookie year. Aaron Rodgers kind of had to sit behind, um, sit on the bench for a little bit with Green Bay. But they both yeah. started their careers in 2008. And Matt Ryan statistically has been the better quarterback in regards to passing yards and whatnot. And a lot of that has to do, of course. With um, Aaron Rodgers, again, being injured, which you haven't seen with Matt Ryan. And to take a beating like Matt Ryan has his whole career and to only miss two games, then, you know. Greatest ability is your availability. That's right. That's, so, that's my favorite saying when it comes to that stuff. That man. is a sports take that I am willing to use my final breaths of my life to defend. I will, I will go to the grave defending Matt Ryan. I don't care what anybody says. That man deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He deserves every accolade that he has. He deserves it all. He deserves all the fame and glory. And he has had to deal with a lot of crap in Atlanta. And I, I mean, I commend him for that because it takes a special person to do that and a special person to stick <laughs> around for that. So fun story on that topic is I got blocked by Brooks Austin's brother on Twitter because I made that argument. And I was right. and I proved him wrong because he used the wrong type of stats. And then I basically came back with the right things. And it just instead of responding, saying he was wrong, I got blocked. So that's a fun story. Well, there you go. So because I, 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 I will die on that hill because I'm yeah. with you like. It, it, these the stuff that like really ticked me off about that one because being a Falcons fan as well is watching the Falcons lose these games right and then seeing the fact that they scored 28 30 points defense allows 35 yeah. 40 points and you're going man what are you supposed to do like you want him to throw for 400 yards a game four touchdowns with no interceptions for you to consider him a good quarterback when in reality the problem is the fact that they've never had a top 15 defense with him that's the sole issue there yeah. and he doesn't have any help on the other side of the ball nope that's never literally has. no has never in his career had that help that he needs and a good topic brought up in the comments on this one is it is similar to a Matt like Stafford situation right so bringing it back to Georgia a Matthew Stafford type situation where he has gutted it out with the Absolutely. Lions. I mean, gutted it out with the Lions. Likely almost died probably. For that Statistically is in an argument that like once he's done with his career, that he could potentially, which he's around he's definitely the same kind of time on the frame. frame. Yes. He's on the same time frame that, you know, starting the league around 2008, whatever year it was for him. Um, 2009 maybe? It was 2010. 10. Okay. I so believe. it's right around. So just Pat, like just, he's a couple years behind Matt Ryan mm -hmm. then on that same time frame though, but pretty close to the same spot. So he has a few more years to catch up. And as far as like the yardage stuff goes, and now he's playing for a high-powered team with a good defense with the Rams, who is playing for a Super Bowl this week. Now, the question that was presented in there was, does Stafford need to win a, a Super Bowl in order to be considered like a – to get over like the edge, right? He, he's a fringe kind of guy like as far as being good enough to go into the Hall of Fame. He doesn't have that win. Same kind of comparison with Matt Ryan is, are the, is that going to be like the holdup? For Matt Ryan, I think the answer is no. I think I think he's in the Hall of Fame even with even if he doesn't win the Super Bowl because he got there. In 2016, the year that he was the MVP, he got to a Super Bowl, gave them a big lead, and the coaching staff just completely I mean, threw that at, win away. At the time they had it, and he would have been Super Bowl MVP probably. At the time, it was the greatest performance by a quarterback in Super Bowl history statistically. Like that was like what Matt Ryan did in the Super Bowl was Dadgum good enough to win a Super Bowl. It was just everything else to not go his way. But honestly, for me, I just hate the argument entirely of like Super Bowls mean that you should be in the Hall of Fame. Because to me, that's a team stat. It 100% is. It goes back. We could tie that back into Georgia and stuff too. Exactly. With the argument at, at quarterback being like the sole deciding position. It's not. 
It's, it's not. It's the same. Like Harrison saying, then Tom Brady happened. It's the same thing. Then Nick Saban happened in college football. That's what happens. The like the Michael Jordans happen in basketball, and that's why everybody compares. Well, LeBron's not as good as Michael Jordan because he doesn't have all the rings that Jordan has. It's like I don't care how good you are if you if if you do not have the team around you that is built to make a Super Bowl run, it ain't gonna happen. I don't care how good of a quarterback you it are. It has to be a balanced team. It has like to. It has to be. It absolutely has to. And especially so that, in the NFL, college football, you can see a little bit more of a drastic turn of like being yes. more one sided than the other. But as far as the NFL goes, if you don't have a good defense, you can have a great offense. But if you have a bad defense, you're gonna lose those games, right? Like Kansas City. Kansas City just lost in the playoffs, and they had probably one of the best offenses, yeah. you know, that we ever get to see. And and they lost to the Bengals in a, a game that ended up being a lot lower score, lower scoring game than Kansas City should have had. Yeah, and so that's because the defensive side for the Bengals really stepped up and helped them win that game. So it, it really kind of it does it takes that supporting cast and it takes the people around them in order to do it. So to sit here and say that Matt Ryan doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame because of his surrounding cast being the way that it is. I'm I'm in agreement with the comments as well on this where take him and put him on another team, which I do think is going to happen before Matt Ryan's career is over. I do think Matt Ryan plays somewhere else. I don't think he has another contract in Atlanta. Just I just think that it's going to change. I think the Falcons at this point need to rebuild in general, and Matt Ryan's contract is really, really hurting that, and to re-sign him would probably not be the easiest thing to do there either. Because I do think he's a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. I do think he's an MVP. I think he could still have an MVP year if he had a defense and a little bit more help surrounding him. This year, who did he have even on the offensive side? And one, he has a terrible he offensive He had a rookie line. tight end. That was about it. And that's who he had. Uh, that was You had Russell Gage and Zacchaeus as your three, along with Pitts, as your three options this season. Because Ridley didn't play for the majority of the season. So, I mean, what more can you ask from the guy? I mean, you can't ask for anything else. But I'm glad you brought up. The Bengals game because that ties into your take. So it we'll segue into that. So one. we'll go into my side of it, and mine is the overtime rules. I, I, both college and the NFL, right? Co- the NFL is the biggest topic of this because I am so tired of watching an NFL game, and it goes into especially in the playoffs. I'll focus on the playoff side of it, right? In the playoffs, you've got these two teams that are one of you know two of six teams that are left playing, two of eight, whatever the number is at the time, right? And you have these two teams gutting it out, absolutely just killing it, offensively just scoring on at will, right? Absolutely using, for reference, the Chiefs versus Bills game. That game was the most insane NFL game that I've ever watched. Today, it is. It's by far the best NFL game I've ever watched. And it was decided on a coin toss. And you can't say that it wasn't decided on a coin toss because everyone knew how that was going to turn out. When you sit there and watch the entire game and you get in the last, like in the fourth quarter, and you watch how quickly both teams are scoring, how the defenses are gassed, the defenses cannot do anything. Whoever wins that coin toss was scoring. If the Bills win the coin toss, they're going down the field to score. They are. It just, that's how it was going to play out. If you want to make that the way that like the overtime series works in the regular season, that's, That's fine. fine. But you also let them tie games in the regular season mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter as much. You let that play into a factor of helping decide yeah. who wins divisions and stuff like that. But it doesn't it, – it's not as detrimental to a team as just guaranteeing that they're going to lose because they didn't win the coin toss basically. Literally, since the rule was adjusted to a sudden death time frame in 2010, there have been 12 overtime games in the playoffs. This is talking specifically playoffs. How many of those do you think that the team won when they did not win the coin toss? Ah, uh, when they just did, spitball. When it they didn't win the toss. When I'd they say lost like, the coin toss. I'd say like twenty percent of the teams. Pretty close. Two out of twelve. Okay, you're pretty close. It's, I, yeah. I'm not going to do the math on that. It's really close. But you have out of twelve games, you had two of them. And yes, Morgan, you are <laughs> correct on that because that is one of the two in twelve you. years. In twelve years, that's one of the two. Where the Bengals actually beat the Chiefs when they did not win the coin toss. The difference is that game, you also saw a more of a defensive focused game. Like I said, the Chiefs weren't going yeah. crazy in that game like they were against the Bills. Yeah. And so it wasn't it was still one I did expect the Chiefs to win when they won the coin toss. I did. So the Bengals winning that game was a good thing to see. But it has literally only happened twice in twelve years through those 12 playoff games that have gone to overtime. So there's clearly an issue there. The only other time was in 2019 when the Rams beat the Saints after the Saints won the coin toss. Mm. That's it. Other than that, if they won the coin toss, 
They've won the game. And this is a playoff series. I'm not saying that you need to change everything throughout the entire regular season or anything like that. I'm just saying that in the playoffs, each team should possess the ball. Absolutely. They absolutely should have a chance to touch the ball. And don't do what college football just did and make it a two-point conversion uh, battle. College football was it's so instead, perfect, and they ruined it. Like It was so good. Overtime rules in college football were so, so, so good. They were perfect. They were absolutely perfect. And, yeah, I understand that. Like what caused that one to change because that's the other side of it, right? One of the best games we've ever watched in college football. freaking incredible. One of the best games we've ever watched in college football is the reason they changed that. And they made it less Referencing exciting. Referencing the Texas A&M, Texas A&M, A&M LSU, LSU that was like in 2019. It was like 77 to 70 or something 74 like that. 74 to 72. 74 to 72. A, a two-point conversion at the end of it after mm-hmm. scoring a touchdown is what won it for Texas A&M. And Kellen Mond won that game on a two-point conversion. At 74, it was the seventh overtime. At the time, it was tied for the longest overtime game in college football history. Now, the longest one is technically nine overtimes, but it was last year with Penn State and Freaking Iowa. rock fight of the century. Yeah, that game going nine overtimes was like 19 to 17 like or some stupid dry, man. low number. It's because after the second overtime, they were forced to go for two-point conversions. Oh, yeah. That's all they – not even like after you score. They literally line up and do one play – to score two points. So stupid. That's that's the dumbest thing you could have done. You you messed with it because you saw how long the game went one time. One time in like forever, you saw how long the game was. And it was extremely entertaining for everyone that was watching. You had ridiculous amount of viewers for TV contracts and stuff, I'm sure. Why change that as well when you had something going very well for you? All of a sudden, you changed the way it works. And it's just, who wants to watch them line up, go for a two-point play, and have to switch fields and the other team makes one play and then you switch again. Like that's so stupid. I mean, there's I mean, there's nothing better in college football. Like, y- your day is over. Like your team's played. It's nine thirty at night, and you get that alert from ESPN that's like SMU and TCU or whoever. Like two teams that you could care less about are in their fourth overtime, tied fifty six to fifty six. And like you just turn on, you watch them battle out from the thirty five yard line, and just see who wins because that's fun football. Because it's like. Every- I mean, everybody's just 25, right? Yeah, 25. 25. So everybody's gassed at that point. So, like, it's just who's going to make that one big play to win the game? That, like, that, that was always so much fun during college football season, and it got taken away from us, and now it's filled in with two-point conversions. So I think what we've learned from your take is that sports in general, MLB, NCAA, and the NFL all need to just – we're okay with how it is in the regular season. Like, I guess we could take our – Take it as it is for the NCAA and say, like, all right, if you want to do two-point conversions in the regular season, I guess that's fine for the NCAA. But I would almost argue that you shouldn't just because regular season matters so much in college football. I would say the same but thing. Yeah, I don't like that anyways, in regular season for college football. But regardless, for the playoffs, for MLB, do not extra put an angle. extra runner on second base in the playoffs to decide a playoff series. Please do not do that. Please Do not gift a, a runner to a team. No. That's the last thing we want to see. We want to see a pitcher duel it out with the, with the one, two, three hitters. Just nobody on base to see who's the bigger man in that situation. That's what we want to see. We don't want to see it. It impacts the pitcher so much, man. Yeah. They, they now – you start a runner on second base and they well, come out, a, They should have a clean inning. Like They should be starting where they can, they can throw out of the windup. You know, and and feel comfortable, but instead they throw out of the stretch immediately, and they have to worry about a guy on You're second a base and a sack fly away from taking the lead, and that's not how it should be. That's not how they it can't pitch be. to the guy the way would, they would normally. And pitch I know to him, but it that was zero zero. You know, uh, a zero zero count, zero outs, nobody on. They can pitch to him however they want to. Now they can't, which you're impacting the way it, an outcome of a game that matters for like the entire season, the way it ends and shapes out based on some stupid yeah. rules. So extra extra runner is fine in the regular season, but take it out for the playoffs. Yep. Take out the over sudden death rule for NFL in the playoffs. And then just please give us back our glory days of college football with overtime rules. You know the only one I don't have a problem with? The NBA. They just yeah. line up and play another it's quarter. They same, play five same. minutes or however it's it is. It's the same thing, man. You just shorten but they the clock. and Shorten the clock. They yeah. guarantee somebody wins the game too. Yeah, like somebody has to win. They'll keep playing until somebody wins. Like no ties in here. No, yeah, see, that's why basketball superior. You know, to what football? <laughs> the football. I mean, if we're talking no. overtime rules, overtime rules. Yeah, that's the only thing they've got. They what got overtime say, rules. Man? They can have overtime rules. I'll, I'll argue with you on that one. They have better overtime rules. The NFL, like, to the main topic of this. I brought in college football because that's what the show is mostly. But yeah, and that's the new change this year that I really didn't like with it. But the NFL side of it, man, you're dealing with these guys like Patrick Mahomes 
and and um, Josh Allen, right, that are absolutely dueling it out all game. Fourth quarter gets insane. You've got Josh Allen like just lighting it up and going downfield and scoring, and there's what, 13 seconds left or whatever it was, like something like super low, and all of a sudden, you know, Patrick Mahomes drive, like, drives them down the field to field goal range to tie that game and just absolutely just makes everybody drop their jaw, goes into overtime, and you don't even let one of those two quarterbacks touch I mean, the ball. it happened in the freaking Super Bowl with the Falcons. I That's know. how the Patriots won the Super Bowl. And, like, you didn't even give Matt Ryan a chance. Like, we're, we're talking about for all of the it. MVP of all the year, the right? Like, he had won the MVP that year. We're you didn't talking even about give him a for the championship, and Matt Ryan didn't even get a chance to redeem himself in that situation. Didn't even get an opportunity to get the ball back in his hands and tie the game. That's where I have an issue with it is that – you're, you're leaving it out for the um, possibility of a team not even getting the opportunity to match the other team's score, not even giving them a chance, really. It's just- even if you wanted to go and say it, the first, like each team gets one possession, right? They, they get one possession, and then after each team has one possession, the third time, like whoever gets the ball next at that point, you want to make it a sudden death? At, at least both teams had a chance yeah. to touch the ball. And so you get to see if it goes to that that third possession to where it gets to it. But at least at the bare minimum in the playoffs, both teams should touch the ball. But at the same time, I think that they should go back and just just do college football rules. Let old us, college football let, rules. Look, get rid of Manfred. Get rid of everybody. Us two right here. We're going to run college football. We're going to run the MLB. And we're going to run the NFL. And we're going to bring it back to the glory days. <laughs> Everybody's going to have an equal opportunity to win a playoff game. Everything. We're going to set things straight. Baseball is going to start on time this year. We'll get things done. So, <laughs> on, let's us. not get into that. Gosh. So, nominate us. We'll get things talk straightened about, out with we'll talk everything. Talk about a fire show somewhere. Yeah. What we, is going we, on with baseball? We, oh, we won't get into Good that. Lord. I could go another hour on that. But anyway, so hope you guys enjoyed the King of the Hill segment. It's not always going to be sports related. You know, we maybe we'll throw in some food uh, opinions. I think there maybe we could get into some some argumentative things, maybe uh, talking about... Um, That's probably where we're going to have yeah. to go to argue. <laughs> so if you have suggestions of what our King of the Hill topic should be every week, please let us know. Always open to new ideas. Love, I mean, you guys come up with some crazy questions. Last year, we had a guy tell us that he wanted us to debate what the most overrated restaurant was. And I think me, you, and Kyle went on for about 30 minutes about what we thought the most overrated restaurant was. So we'll give you the content. You just got to give us the five-word question or whatever. And we'll bring you the that good stuff with it. One. That so, one was a fun one, yeah. Please hit the DMs. But also, while you're here, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, please, if you can. We're going to drop it right here for you, nice and pretty on a banner. Follow us on Twitter, Dogs Daily POD. We made a tweet today kind of hinting at this segment. You know, we got some opinions about what, um, what things that other people wanted to hear us talk about. Choice of dipping sauce. All right. So maybe next week we talk about our favorite choice of dipping sauce. Um, There's... The best dipping sauce, to me, there is one answer. And so that's one that we might actually be able to argue So maybe about. we will do next week because I'm interested to hear that. But I don't want to hear it yet then. So I'll save it. You can, save, you can it. save that one. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Harrison just gave us uh, <laughs> next week's content. But, yeah, follow us on Twitter because you guys can give us suggestions over there. You can hit our DMs for our Twitters as well. You can find those from our tw- um, the podcast Twitter page as well. Um a Brooks Austin favorite, according to his Twitter feed. Oh, okay. okay, we know we know Brooks really likes to talk about his food topics over there. So maybe we'll kind of pile on and piggyback off of that. So um, follow us on all the socials. Like the video, like I said. Subscribe to us on YouTube because it really helps us grow our platform. It helps us reach out to more people so we can continue to get more viewers, get some more engagements while we do our live shows. And yeah, you can close us out. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for sticking around and watching this long if you did. And for everybody that commented in the comment section, we really appreciate it. It helps us engage with you guys and it kind of helps our conversations kind of get guided along the ways of something that you might want to actually hear. So when you are, make sure you comment as well um, as reaching out to us. I think another segment we're going to bring back probably next week is a good one as well is our talking season segment. So when you see those comments on social media this week, hit us up where it's these other fans or uh, rival fans talking about Georgia Auburn or fans. negative things. Auburn fans. Right? That's a prime example right now. That'd the be- crazy statements that they, one one good topic could have been Peyton Manning coming to coach. Paul Johnson OC. And Paul Johnson you know? OC. That stuff like that. The crazy stuff out there that just makes you go, man, what are they talking about right now? So send that stuff our way. You can DM us on Twitter. Same thing right there at the bottom of the screen. And just let us know what you come across. We love talking about it. It's all That was probably my one of my favorite, like, segments last oh, off season this is just the beginning it was one of my it's favorite segments last off season so we'll keep doing that 
Um, but as always, keep it classy in the classic city. We will catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dogs Daily on Sports Illustrated. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Dogs Daily crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at Jeremiah underscore Stodd 7, to Kyle at DK Fubderberg, and Jonathan at 22 underscore J-Man. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime, go dogs. Go dogs.